0: Well, Merry Christmas, Grace Fellowship. We are seven days out from Christmas Eve and eight days out from Christmas. And I am super excited. I'm still a kid at heart. And uh, in preparing for Christmas season, I've actually been thinking a lot about my parents. Both of, both of them have graduated up uh, to heaven. I've just have been thinking about them as these days uh, approach towards Christmas. And I found myself thinking specifically about one aspect of my mom. Uh, I think we have a picture of my mom and me that we can throw up there. I just love my mom. I miss her. I wish all of you could have known my mom. Many of you did uh, know uh, my mom. And uh, my mom was a highly committed believer and follower of Jesus, deeply committed And I loved having deep theological faith discussions with my mom. We could talk for hours about the Bible and faith uh, together. But every time my mom and I would talk, uh, and this is what I've been thinking about lately. Every time my mom and I would talk, she would always turn the conversation towards her gratefulness for her salvation. Uh, She was just overwhelmed with the fact that Jesus would die for her, that Jesus would forgive her sins, that Jesus would give her the gift of eternal life. She never lost the wonder of her salvation. She was mesmerized by what Jesus had done for her. And unfortunately, that is not common. Uh, Most of us have heard the gospel so many times that we've become desensitized to it. I love the honesty of uh, Paul David Tripp when he says, familiarity causes me to not treasure the gospel of Jesus Christ as I should. And I find myself guilty as charged of that. Familiarity causes me to not treasure the gospel of Jesus Christ as I should. But not with my mom especially in those final weeks of her life, my mom just kept talking over and over and over again about how grateful she was that God had forgiven her sins through Christ and that she had eternal life and she was going to get to spend forever with God and how grateful she was that all of her children and all of her grandchildren had a personal relationship with God through Christ and so she knew that in heaven she was going to spend eternity with all of her family. And... Uh, Lately, I've just been thinking about that. And I've been desiring to grow in that myself, that I want to have just a wonder and an amazement with my salvation. Matter of fact, I've been found myself praying Psalm 51, uh, verse 12, frequently Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. If you've got a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn with me in your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew. uh, First book in the New Testament. It's about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 1 together. Uh, We're in a sermon series called Know What You Believe. And this morning we're going to talk about know what you believe about salvation. And so as we study this morning, I want to give you two challenges. Challenge number one... Make sure you're saved. (laughs) Make sure you're saved. And we're gonna talk about that in a minute. Challenge number two, if you are saved, ask God to give you an intoxicating, grateful, exuberant, and rapturous joy for your salvation. If you're saved, ask God to give you an intoxicating, grateful, exuberant, rapturous joy for your salvation. Pray, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. All right, let's say a prayer and then we're going to dive into Matthew chapter 1. Let's pray. And if you've got a Bible, I just invite you to hold your Bible up in the air just as a symbol of submitting yourself to God and to his word. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, change my life through your word. Do whatever you want. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Amen. All right, here we go, Matthew chapter one. We're going to start in verse 18. Matthew chapter one, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So back in the, this day, In order to break off an engagement, you had to get divorced. Uh, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now look back at verse 21. I think it's the key verse for our purposes this morning. Verse 21. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means Yahweh saves or the Lord is salvation. So Jesus's name tells us his mission. Uh, God saves. Jesus came to save us which begs the question, save us from what? And that's where we're gonna spend the majority of our time uh, this morning. So if you look on page three of your worship guide, you'll find some sermon notes there. And let's walk through these sermon notes together and a study of uh, why uh, we need to be saved. What, what, What are we saved from and how are we saved? And we're gonna look at 16 different scriptures together. And we're gonna learn eight theological terms together. All right, buckle up, here we go. Look in your notes. What does Jesus save us from and how does he do it? Here we go, number one. When a person places their faith in Jesus, they are saved from the penalty of their sins, namely from the wrath of God. So the first fill in the blank there in your notes is penalty of their sins. When a person places their faith in Jesus, they are saved from the penalty of their sins, Namely, they're safe from the wrath of God. Look at the scriptures, Romans chapter 3, there in your notes. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation. Underline that word in your notes. I want to teach you that word. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. So the message of the cross is that God sent his son as our substitute in order to pour out his wrath on his own son instead of pouring out his wrath on us. God's justice, holiness, and wrath are satisfied through Christ's death on the cross. And the fancy theological word for this is propitiation. Look at the next scripture I put there in your notes, 1 John chapter 2. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, He is the propitiation, underline that word. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Charles Ryrie says the word propitiation refers to God's wrath being satisfied by the death of Christ. This is so important and it's also so misunderstood. Many people think that a God of love cannot also be a God of wrath, but that's not true. Any good parent, any good parent has both love and wrath. (laughs) Because I love my children so much, I have a righteous anger against all things that will hurt my children. I have righteous anger against bad people who will try to hurt my children. I have righteous anger against that punk teenage boy from my daughter's driver's education class who sent my daughter an inappropriate text and I took care of it. I didn't kill him, but I took care of it. And I have righteous anger against my children making bad choices and disobedient choices that hurt them. God is love, and God is also holy and just and righteous. And because God is holy and righteous, he punishes sin. And because God is love, he has chosen to inflict that punishment on his own son rather than inflicting that punishment on you and me. In Kenya, there was an eight-year-old girl named Monica who accidentally fell into a pit and broke her leg. And while Monica was stuck in the pit, an older woman named Mama Ninjeri walked by. Seeing little Monica in the pit, Mama Jerry climbed down in the pit to help get Monica out. And in the process, a deadly poisonous black mamba snake bit Mama Ninjeri and then bit little Monica. They were both rushed to the hospital where little Monica recovered, but Mama Jerry died. And the doctor explained that because Mama Ninjeri was bitten first, All of the snake's poison had been expelled on Mama and Jerry, meaning no poison was spent on little Monica. Oh, Grace Fellowship, that is the gospel. Jesus absorbed all of the poison, all the penalty that you and I deserve because of our sins. Jesus died in our place. Jesus is our propitiation, satisfying the holy and righteous and just requirements of God against sin, satisfying the wrath of God. That's propitiation. All right, number two, what are we saved from? Number two, when a person places their faith in Jesus, they are saved from death and separation from God. So the next fill in the blank there is the word death. When a person places their faith in Jesus, they're saved from death and separation from God. Look at the scriptures on this. Romans chapter five here in your notes. The Bible says, therefore, since we have been justified, underline that, that's our second fancy theological term. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Warren Wiersbe explains justification. Justification by faith is the act of God, whereby he declares the believing sinner righteous in Christ based on the finished work of Christ on the cross. Justification is a legal matter. God put, legally puts the righteousness of Christ on our legal record in place of our own sinfulness. And nobody can change this record. <laughs> the result is eternal life for the person who believes. Look at the next scripture, John three sixteen through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but he sent his son into the world in order that the world might be saved, that's what we're talking about today, salvation, through Jesus. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And then in John chapter 11, Jesus is talking to Martha and Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He asked Martha. John Ortberg tells an amazing story about uh, a friend of his named Chuck. Uh, Listen to Ortberg. He says, the first close friendship I ever had began when I was 15 years old. Chuck and I went through high school and college together. We double dated together and got rejected together. (laughs) We were confidants and counselors and chums through every important event of life. Several years ago, Chuck called me to tell me that he had cancer. The initial prognosis was very good, although he did have to undergo difficult treatment. In typical fashion, Chuck shaved his head before the chemotherapy began covered his head with glue, sprinkled it with gold glitter, and then walked around the house in his underwear calling himself Chemo Man. <laughs> Chuck, and I, Chuck and I lived more than 2,000 miles apart at this time, but we talked every Saturday morning during the time that he was undergoing treatment. The chemotherapy destroyed his appetite. He was unable to keep food down. He became so gaunt and emaciated that he was almost unrecognizable even to his children. At one point, an infection set in and his condition was briefly touch and go because the chemotherapy had so weakened his immune system. But Chuck pulled through and eventually he completed treatment. Chemo man had prevailed. A month later, Chuck had his first post-treatment checkup. He called me that night. The cancer was back, the doctor told him. At levels as high as they had been before the treatment. Being a doctor himself, Chuck knew that the return of the cancer this strongly, this quickly, meant that he was going to die. It was a death sentence. Ortberg says, I was numb. When I went to bed that night, I couldn't even pray. It's some mistake, I protested. They'll find out it's okay. I marveled at how quickly denial set in for me. At 6.30 the next morning, Chuck called again. John, you won't believe this, he said. Someone in the lab had mistakenly switched his results with those of another patient who had not yet even been through treatment. It turned out that Chuck's cancer was gone and has not reappeared these many years later. I'm going to live, my friend said. I'm going to see my kids grow up. I'm going to grow old with my wife. I'm going to live. For a few minutes, Chuck and I just wept on the phone like a couple of characters out of a Hallmark movie. Chuck told me he was filled with a gratitude he had never known. He couldn't stop touching his kids or hugging his wife. Things that had bothered him before faded into utter insignificance. He was going to live. And suddenly he did not just know intellectually, but actually experienced the truth that life is a gift. We don't earn it. We can't control it. We can't take it a, a moment of it for granted. Every tick of the clock is a gift from God. That's how my mom felt. And that's the kind of attitude that I want to live with continually. Oh, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Number three. What are we saved from? Number three. When a person places their faith in Jesus, they're saved From the devil. The next fill in the blank there is the devil. When a person places their faith in Jesus, they are saved from the devil. Look at the scriptures I put in your notes on this. 1 John 3, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. In Colossians chapter 2, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities. Those are nicknames for demons, evil spirits, and the devil. Having disarmed the demonic powers and authorities, Christ made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross." In Christ, we have victory over the devil. Number four, when a person places their faith in Jesus, they are saved from sins, being forgiven, redeemed, reconciled to God, and adopted into God's family. So the fill in the blank there is sins. When a person places their faith in Jesus, they are saved from sins, being forgiven, redeemed, reconciled to God, and adopted into God's family. Look at the scriptures on this, Ephesians 1. In Christ, we have redemption, underline redemption. It's another one of our theological words. In Christ, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness, underline that word. It's another theological word this morning. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. That word redemption means that believers in Jesus are freed from slavery to sin and liberated to a state of freedom by the payment of Christ's blood on the cross. Look at the next scripture, 2 Corinthians 5. Through Christ, God reconciled, underline that word, it's another theological word for us this morning. Through Christ, God reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Because of our sin, we have been enemies with God. We've been at enmity with God. But we've been reconciled to God through faith in Christ's sacrificial death in our place. In Christ, we're friends with God. In Christ, we've been adopted as sons and daughters of God. Look at the next scripture Ephesians chapter 1. God decided in advance to adopt us. Underline that. It's another theological term this morning adopt us. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure to do it. Listen, in Christ, we're forgiven. We're redeemed, we're reconciled, and we're adopted. And then number five. When a person places their faith in Jesus, they are saved from self. So self is the next fill in the blank there in your nuts. This is interesting. When a person places their faith in Jesus, they're saved from self. Look at this next scripture, Romans 7. This is the Apostle Paul talking very honestly. He says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then the next scripture, Titus chapter 3. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. That's what we're talking about this morning, salvation. He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, But he saved us according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration. Underline that word, it's another theological term this morning. He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Regeneration means that a person has been born again through faith in Jesus Christ, becoming a new self. Wow. Wow. Did you catch everything we just studied together in these last 15 minutes? Salvation is deep and it's wide. Salvation in Jesus means propitiation, justification, victory, forgiveness, redemption, reconciliation, adoption, and regeneration. No wonder my mom talked about salvation so much. What God has done for those who believe in Jesus is absolutely amazing. Can we, just, can we just pause for a moment and soak in the joy of what we've heard and the realities and the joy of what we've heard? Look at your notes at pause for joy. Oh, would you enter into this with me? Would you just make this your application today? This is the big one. In response to all the scriptures about my salvation, I'm gonna have a dance party to celebrate all that Jesus has done to save me. One particular aspect that I'm most joyful about right now is, and what is it for you? We've covered like seven or eight of these. What is it for you? I'm joyful about my propitiation. God's wrath against me has been satisfied through Christ receiving my just punishment in my place. Praise God. I'm joyful about my justification. I've been made right with God in Christ, I am righteous before God, and therefore I will have eternal life in heaven with God. I'm joyful about my victory. Jesus has defeated and disarmed the devil for me. What are you joyful about? I'm joyful for my forgiveness through Christ. All my sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. I'm joyful about my redemption through Christ. I am free from slavery to sin. I'm free. I'm joyful about my recon- my, my reconciliation through Christ. I'm restored. In my relationship with God, I am a friend with God. I'm joyful about my adoption. Through Christ, I've been adopted as a child of God. I'm joyful about my regeneration. Through faith in Christ, I've been born again into a new self. I am new. I wanna play a video for you uh, of Toby Mac having a dance party around the joy of his salvation. The song is called The Goodness and it comes from Toby Mac's album that's called Life After Death. Amazing album. The entire album represents Toby Mac's processing the death of his son Truett. Toby's son Truett died tragically at the age of 21 from an accidental drug overdose. I cannot imagine the pain of losing one of my children. Throughout the album, Toby Mack is real and raw about his pain and about his grief. He does not, he does not sweep his grief under the rug. But instead, he faces his grief, he faces his pain, he looks it in the eye, he experiences it, and he asks God to heal his broken heart. Just listen to the whole album. Those are that those that's it's the journey he he's taking. And so one day, Toby Mac wrote down on a napkin the words, God, you are still the goodness in my life. And Toby Mac just began to press in to the truth that God is still good, even despite the death of his 21-year-old son. This journey led him to restore the joy of his own salvation. And so Toby Mac threw a dance party with a bunch of his friends to celebrate the goodness of God and to celebrate salvation. Watch this.
1: You made the rain. So when it falls on me, should I complain or feel you calling me a soul on me to stay? And really catch what you're showing, it's my roots that you're growing, cause life is more than this moment You are the light, so when the darkness falls, the greatest heights, they never seem so tall, no not at all, you're right It's my roots that you're growing, don't wanna miss what you're
2: showing Ain't no doubt about you, everywhere that I go, you keep showing up
1: Smile on the face of your boy. You're the flowers at the park in Detroit. Still, the words on the back of our coins. Let's make some noise.
2: You cover me, my defender, when you're rolling up your sleeves. You're the truth that's gonna set the captive free. The only king that's ever chose to bleed. is what I believe.
1: They keep trying to make your glory fade. I ain't really sweating what they say. Ain't no doubt about you.
2: Everywhere that I go, you keep showing.
1: I can still see the sunshine above me. Lord, I love all the ways that you love me. You're the good, you're the good, you're the goodness.
2: Through the good and the bad and the ugly, I can still feel the sunshine above me. Lord, I love all the ways that you love me. You're the good, you're the good, you're the good. You're the good.
0: Here's your application this week. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I triple dog dare you to have a dance party sometime this week over your salvation. And it could be just you alone with God in your den and you crank up this Toby Mac song and you dance like a fool and celebrate the joy of your salvation. Or maybe it's your family unit and y'all put on any celebratory song and you just dance over the joy of your salvation. Or maybe for some of you, you actually invite friends over and like have a dance party together. Triple dog dare you, do one of those. He is restoring to us the joy of our salvation. All right, this next thing that I want to share with you I find super interesting and super helpful. If you'll look up in the Bible every place where the word saved occurs, you're going to find something really interesting. Because you're going to find the term saved sometimes in the past tense, sometimes in the present tense, and sometimes in the future tense. Past tense, I have been saved. Present tense, I am being saved. Future tense, I will be safe. And so those are the next three fill in the blanks there in your notes. And that little chart in your notes is past, present, and future. Well, Jim, that's a little bit confusing. Which one is it? And the answer is it's all three. When I place my faith in Jesus immediately, my salvation has become a done deal. It's past tense, I have been saved. It's done, it's finished. I have been made right with God. That's called justification. It's a done deal, past tense. However, God is also sanctifying me as an ongoing process in the present tense. I am being saved right now in the present tense as my life is becoming more and more and more like Jesus progressively in the present tense. This is called sanctification and is the ongoing present tense until I die. But then there is an aspect of salvation that is also future tense. I will be saved. One day when I die or I'm raptured, I will enter into glory where I will be fully saved with no sin and no pain and no sickness. I will have a glorified resurrection body. The sanctification process will be over. I will be like Jesus then in the future. This is called glorification. Now knowing these three verb tenses of salvation is actually super helpful. Because some people wrongly assume that all three happen on the front end of salvation. Which is not true. And so they become disillusioned. If you wrongly think that inviting Christ into your life is going to make you instantly perfect where you no longer ever sin ever again, then you're going to be really disillusioned. Because although you are fully forgiven, justified and reconciled to God, you still have a sanctification process to go through. Or, if you wrongly think that inviting Christ into your life is going to make all of your problems go away completely so that you no longer experience any pain, you no longer experience any problems, you no longer experience any sickness, well, you're going to be disillusioned because although you are fully forgiven, justified, and reconciled to God, you have not been glorified yet. You don't have your new resurrection body in heaven yet. Justification I have been saved. Sanctification, I am being saved. Glorification, I will be saved. All right, one last thing I wanna share with you. And that is that you can be 100% sure of your salvation. Theologians call this assurance of salvation. You can be 100% sure of your salvation. If you were to die on your way home from church today, I pray in Jesus' name that doesn't happen. But if you were to die on your way home from church this morning, you don't have to wonder or guess whether or not you'll go to heaven or not. You can know 100% for sure. You can have an objective assurance of your salvation if you have invited Christ into your life by faith. Look at the next scripture I put here in your notes. It couldn't be more clear. 1 John chapter 5. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has the eternal life. Underline that. Whoever has the son in his life, her life, has eternal life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have eternal life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know, 100% sure, that you have eternal life. If you have the Son of God living inside of you, you are going to heaven, 100%. So the only question is, do you have the Son? Have you ever invited Jesus Christ into your life? before. Because if you'll invite him, he will come. He promises to. Look at the next scripture, Revelation 3.20. This is Jesus talking. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, here it is, I will come into him. Have you opened the door of your heart and invited Jesus? in and if not you can do it right now like don't leave this room without doing this and in your notes I just put in an example of of a prayer of faith of what that might look like M- make it your own but here's an example of what it might look like just say Jesus I believe Jesus I believe that you're the son of God who died for my sins and that you rose from the dead and Jesus I open the door of my heart and I invite you into my life Jesus, I receive your free gift of forgiveness of my sins and your free gift of eternal life. Now, make me into the person that you want me to be. Oh, if you've not done that before, make that your prayer. All right, I'm done. What are you gonna do with what you've heard? What's your application today? Uh, Look look in your notes there at my application today. How would you finish this sentence? Uh, My response today to what I've heard from the scriptures is, what is it for you? My response is, I'm going to receive and believe Christ. I pray that prayer in that box. My response is, I'm going to get baptized. Maybe you invited Christ into your life today or maybe you did it 10 years ago but you've never gone public with that faith through water baptism. The Bible says that's the next step for you. And maybe your application is to sign up for our baptism on the first Sunday in March. I uh, put that information in your notes. My application is, I'm going to have a dance party. I'm going to have a dance party to celebrate Jesus saving me. And... I'm going to live a lifestyle of dance partying over my salvation frequently. That's what I saw in my mom. That's what I see in Toby. That's what I want in my life. My application is that I'm gonna manage my expectations. Realizing that my salvation involves both past, present, and future aspects, I'm gonna adjust my expectations accordingly. And I'm gonna press into my sanctification And I'm going to wait with hope for my glorification. And my application today is I'm going to share my faith. This salvation that we've been talking about this morning is too good to keep to ourselves. I'm going to share the good news of Jesus with as many people as possible. Starting with Christmas Eve, I'm going to invite somebody to come to Christmas Eve services with me. And So on your way in, you were handed one of these just little brochures that's just an invite piece and you can use this and just hand it to one of your neighbors or friends or coworkers, or schoolmates and say hey would you come and sit with me at Christmas Eve here are the services and Pastor Jim really wants us to come to either the Saturday night service or the Sunday 9 a.m. service um, in addition to the children's Saturday 11 a.m. Watch this video Jesus is just too good to not share with everyone I know Uh, watch this
2: to God in the highest. Peace on earth and a good will toward men.
3: Uh. Tobias! There you are. <sighs> Got the coffees. The land of Goshen that line was long. <laughs> a couple of coffees. Tobias, here's yours with extra goat milk. Had to smell that the whole way here. Thank you so much. And I have a juniper tea. Which one of you guys had the juniper tea with two extra shots of honey, huh? You look like the juniper. And an extra large boba tea for me, because I made the run. (laughs) And it's all good. Ira, if you will, guys, where's all the sheep? Zeke, come back! No thank you! We're not making this up! Oh, you're not making this up? Oh golly gee then, Eamon! Then maybe I will believe that what, a gaggle of angels came down? Technically they're called heavenly Host. Not the time, Tobias. It's always the time for proper nomenclature. That's the motto I live by. Fine. A heavenly host of little cherubs. No,
2: no, no, no. Not little.
3: They were humongous. Yeah, Ira buckled like a newborn lamb. I might have a new concussion. I taste pennies right now. Okay. Come on, ladies. Sweepy. Zeke, we're leaving the sheep. Bathsheba. Bathsheba. The angel told us where to find the Messiah. Figures. Figures. Figures the angels would tell you and not me. You want to know why? Because I am always, 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 always left out of things. I am left out every time. That's not true. It is so true. How about the time that I stayed back and I watched the sheep while you all went to go chase those wolves for that farmer? And what did you get in return? A year's worth of free olive oil. You
0: guys remember that olive oil? Remember when we put them on those crackers? Oh.
3: (laughs) Hey! (laughs) Hey! How about the time that I missed out on that amazing water spot at the Sea of Galilee because I was searching for herbs for Ira's weak stomach? Can we just say my stomach was disappointed in me? Fine. 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 Then riddle me this. How about the time that my best friend forgot to tell me about Tobias' surprise birthday dinner for some strange oversight of, oh, forgetting that I exist? I am left out of everything. So why shouldn't I be left out of this? The Messiah. I guess he's just leaving me out too.
1: Get off me. Stop it, not the face. Leave me alone, stop. Zeke, stop, do stuff.
3: Come here, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you missed out on so much. That's on us.
0: But today, in the town of David, the Savior was born to to us, to all of us. I can't let you miss out on that.
3: Well, better not keep that baby waiting. Idea, head stop for more boba teas on the way? (laughs) Not a chance.
0: All right, we're gonna celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper together. So small group leaders, uh, those of you who uh, were signed up to uh, do a communion station, if you go ahead and come on uh, forward to the different stations and help us get ready to take communion. Uh, You you know where to go, the different tables that have the different uh, bread and juice on them. So small group leaders, get ready and uh, help us get ready for that. Uh, Let me share with you uh, an ordinance that Jesus gave to us to help us remember what he did so that we could have the joy of our salvation. Uh, on that last night that he was with his disciples, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then Jesus took the cup and he gave it to his disciples and he said, This is. This is my blood. This is the blood of the new covenant shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. And so, Father, we pray that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit on this bread and in this juice in such a way that as we come and take communion together, we'd actually be communing with you, fellowshipping with you, encountering with you. Would you give us an encounter with you through the very act of the last Lord's Supper? And would you restore to us the joy of our salvation as we take communion. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.